Book One of Eudamian Ethics. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeffrey Edwards. Eudamian Ethics by Aristotle. Translated by J. Solomon. Chapter One the man who stated his judgment in the god's precinct in delos made an inscription on the propyleum to the temple of leto in which he separated from one another the good the beautiful and the pleasant as not all properties of the same thing he wrote most beautiful is what is most just but best is health and pleasantest the obtaining of what one desires but let us disagree with him for happiness is at once the most beautiful and best of all things and also the pleasantest now about each thing and kind there are many views that are disputed and need investigation of these some concern knowledge only some the acquisition of things and the performance of acts as well about those which involve speculative philosophy only we must at a suitable opportunity say what is relevant to that study but first we must consider in what the happy life consists and how it is to be acquired whether all who receive the epithet happy become so by nature as we become tall short or of different complexions or by teaching happiness being a sort of science or by some sort of discipline for men acquire many qualities neither by nature nor by teaching but by habituation bad qualities if they are habituated to the bad good if to the good or do men become happy in none of these ways but either like those possessed by nymphs or deities through a sort of divine influence being as it were inspired or through chance for many declare happiness to be identical with good luck that men then possess happiness through all or some one of these causes is evident for practically all new creations come under these principles for all acts arising from intelligence may be included among acts that arise from knowledge now to be happy to live blissfully and beautifully must consist mainly in three things which seem most desirable for some say prudence is the greatest good some virtue and some pleasure some also dispute about the magnitude of the contribution made by each of these elements to happiness some declaring the contribution of one to be greater some that of another these regarding prudence as a greater good than virtue those the opposite while others regard pleasure as a greater good than either and some consider the happy life to be compounded of all or of two of these while others hold it to consist in one of them alone chapter two first then about these things we must enjoin every one that has the power to live according to his own choice to set up for himself some object for the beautiful life to aim at whether honour or reputation or wealth or culture with reference to which he will then do all his acts since not to have one's life organized in view of some end is a mark of much folly then above all 
we must first define to ourselves without hurry or carelessness in which of our belongings the happy life is lodged and what are the indispensable conditions of its attainment for health is not the same as the indispensable conditions of health and so it is with many other things e g the beautiful life and its indispensable conditions are not identical of such things some are not peculiar to health or even to life but common to speak broadly to all dispositions and actions e g without breathing or being awake or having the power of movement we could enjoy neither good nor evil but some are indispensable conditions in a more special sense and peculiar to each kind of thing and these it is specially important to observe e g the eating of meat and walking after meals are more peculiarly the indispensable conditions of a good physical state than the more general conditions mentioned above for herein is the cause of the disputes about happy living its nature and causes for some take to be elements in happiness what are merely its indispensable conditions chapter three to examine then all the views held about happiness is superfluous for children sick people and the insane all have views but no sane person would dispute over them for such persons need not argument but years in which they may change or else medical or political correction for medicine no less than stripes is a correction similarly we have not to consider the views of the multitude for they talk without consideration about almost everything and most about happiness for it is absurd to apply argument to those who need not argument but suffering but since every study has its special problems evidently there are such relating to the best life and best existence the opinions then that put these difficulties it is well to examine for a disputant's refutation of what is opposed to his argument is a demonstration of the argument itself further it is proper not to neglect these considerations especially with a view to that at which all inquiry should be directed viz the causes that enable us to share in the good and beautiful life if any one finds it invidious to call it the blessed life and with a view to the hope we may have of attaining each good for if the beautiful life consists in what is due to fortune or nature it would be something that many cannot hope for since its acquisition is not in their power nor attainable by their care or activity but if it depends on the individual and his personal acts being of a certain character then the supreme good would be both more general and more divine more general because more would be able to possess it more divine because happiness would then be the prize offered to those who make themselves and their acts of a certain character chapter four most of the doubts and difficulties raised will become clear if we define well what we ought to think happiness to be whether that it consists merely in having the soul of a certain character as some of the sages and older writers thought or whether the man must indeed be of a certain character but it is even more necessary that his acts should be of a certain character now if we make a division of the kinds of life some do not even pretend to this sort of well-being being only pursued for the sake of what is necessary 
e.g., those concerned with vulgar arts, or with commercial or servile occupations. By vulgar, I mean arts pursued only with a view to reputation. By servile, those which are sedentary and wage-earning. By commercial, those connected with buying in markets and huckstering in shops. But there are also three goods directed to a happy employment of life, those which we have above called the three greatest of human goods, virtue, prudence, and pleasure. We thus see that there are three lives which all those choose who have power, viz. the lives of the political man, the philosopher, the voluptuary. For of these the philosopher intends to occupy himself with prudence and contemplation of truth, the political man with noble acts, i.e., those springing from virtue, the voluptuary with bodily pleasures. Therefore the latter calls a different person happy, as was indeed said before. Anaxagoras of Clazomene, being asked, who was the happiest of men, answered, none of those you suppose, but one who would appear a strange being to you, because he saw that the questioner thought it impossible for one not great and beautiful, or rich, to deserve the epithet happy, while he himself perhaps thought that the man who lived painlessly and pure of injustice, or else engaged in some divine contemplation, was really, as far as a man may be, blessed. Chapter 5 About many other things it is difficult to judge well, but most difficult about that on which judgment seems to all easiest and the knowledge of it in the power of any man, viz., what of all that is found in living is desirable, and what, if attained, would satisfy our desire. For there are many consequences of life that make men fling away life, as disease, excessive pain, storms, so that it is clear that, if one were given the power of choice, not to be born at all would, as far at least as these reasons go, have been desirable. Further, the life we lead as children is not desirable, for no one in his senses would consent to return again to this. Further, many incidents involving neither pleasure nor pain, or involving pleasure but not of a noble kind, are such that, as far as they are concerned, non-existence is preferable to life. And generally, if one were to bring together all that all men do and experience, but not willingly, because not for its own sake, and were to add to this an existence of infinite duration, one would none the more on account of these experiences choose existence rather than non-existence. But further, neither for the pleasure of eating alone, or that of sex, if all the other pleasures were removed, that knowing, or seeing, or any other sense provides men with, would a single man value existence, unless he were utterly servile, for it is clear that to the man making this choice there would be no difference between being born a brute and a man. At any rate, the ox in Egypt, which they reverence as Apis, in most of such matters has more power than many monarchs. We may say the same of the pleasure of sleeping, for what is the difference between sleeping an unbroken sleep from one's first day to one's last, say, for a thousand or any number of years, and living the life of a plant. Plants, at any rate, seem to possess this sort of existence, and, similarly, children, 
for children too continue having their nature from their first coming into being in their mother's womb but sleep the entire time it is clear then from these considerations that men though they look fail to see what is well-being what is the good in life and so they tell us that anaxagoras answered a man who was raising problems of this sort and asking why one should choose rather to be born than not for the sake of viewing the heavens and the whole order of the universe he then thought the choice of life for the sake of some sort of knowledge to be precious but those who felicitate sardanapalus or smindyrides the sybarite or any other of those who live the voluptuary's life these seem all to place happiness in the feeling of pleasure but others would rather choose virtuous deeds than either any sort of wisdom or sensual pleasures at any rate some choose these not only for the sake of reputation but even when they are not going to win credit by them but most political men are not truly so called they are not in truth political for the political man is one who chooses noble acts for their own sake while most take up the political life for the sake of money and greed from what has been said then it is clear that all connect happiness with one or other of three lives the political the philosophic and the voluptuaries now among these the nature and quality and sources of the pleasure of the body and sensual enjoyment are clear so that we have not to inquire what such pleasures are but whether they tend to happiness or not and how they tend and whether supposing it right to attach to the noble life certain pleasures it is right to attach these or whether some other sort of participation in these is a necessity but the pleasures through which men rightly think the happy man to live pleasantly and not merely painlessly are different but about these let us inquire later first let us consider about virtue and prudence the nature of each and whether they are parts of the good life either in themselves or through the actions that arise from them since all or at least all important thinkers connect happiness with these socrates then the elder thought the knowledge of virtue to be the end and used to inquire what is justice what bravery and each of the parts of virtue and his conduct was reasonable for he thought all the virtues to be kinds of knowledge so that to know justice and to be just came simultaneously for the moment that we have learned geometry or architecture we are architects and geometers therefore he inquired what virtue is not how or from what it arises this is correct with regard to theoretical knowledge for there is no other part of astronomy or physics or geometry except knowing and contemplating the nature of the things which are the subjects of those sciences though nothing prevents them from being in an incidental way useful to us for much that we cannot do without but the end of the productive sciences is different from science and knowledge e g health from medical science law and order or something of the sort from political science now to know anything that is noble is itself noble but regarding virtue at least not to know what it is but to know out of what it arises is most precious for we do not wish to know what bravery is but to be brave nor what justice is but to be just 
just as we wish to be in health rather than to know what being in health is and to have our body in good condition rather than to know what good condition is chapter six about all these matters we must try to get conviction by argument using perceived facts as evidence and illustration it would be best that all men should clearly concur with what we are going to say but if that is unattainable then that all should in some way at least concur and this if converted they will do for every man has some contribution to make to the truth and with this as a starting point we must give some sort of proof about these matters for by advancing from true but obscure judgments he will arrive at clear ones exchanging ever the usual confused statement for more real knowledge now in every inquiry there is a difference between philosophic and unphilosophic argument therefore we should not think even in political philosophy that the sort of consideration which not only makes the nature of the thing evident but also its cause is superfluous for such consideration is in every inquiry the true philosophic method but this needs much caution for there are some who through thinking it to be the mark of a philosopher to make no arbitrary statement but always to give a reason often unawares give reasons foreign to the subject and idle this they do sometimes from ignorance sometimes because they are charlatans by which reasons even men experienced and able to act are trapped by those who neither have nor are capable of having practical and constructive intelligence and this happens to them from want of culture for inability in regard to each matter to distinguish reasonings appropriate to the subject from those foreign to it is want of culture and it is well to criticize separately the reason that gives the cause and the conclusion both because of what has just been said viz that one should attend not merely to what is inferred by argument but often attend more to perceived facts whereas now when men are unable to see a flaw in the argument they are compelled to believe what has been said and because often that which seems to have been shown by argument is true indeed but not for the cause which the argument assigns for one may prove truth by means of falsehood as is clear from the analytics chapter seven after these further preliminary remarks let us start on our discourse from what we have called the first confused judgments and then seek to discover a clear judgment about the nature of happiness now this is admitted to be the greatest and best of human goods we say human for there might perhaps be a happiness peculiar to some superior being e g a god for of the other animals which are inferior in their nature to men none have a right to the epithet happy for no horse bird or fish is happy nor anything the name of which does not imply some share of a divine element in its nature but in virtue of some other sort of participation in good things some have a better existence some a worse but we must see later that this is so at present we say that of goods some are within the range of human action some not and this we say because some things and therefore also some good things are incapable of change yet these are perhaps as to their nature the best 
some things again are within the range of action but only to beings superior to us but since within the range of action is an ambiguous phrase for both that for the sake of which we act and the things we do for its sake have to do with practice and thus we put among things within the range of action both health and wealth and the acts done for the sake of these ends i e wholesome conduct and money-bringing conduct it is clear that we must regard happiness as the best of what is within the range of action for man chapter eight we must then examine what is the best and in how many senses we use the word the answer is principally contained in three views for men say that the good per se is the best of all things the good per se being that whose property is to be the original good and the cause by its presence in other things of their being good both of which attributes belong to the idea of good i mean by both that of being the original good and also the cause of other things being good by its presence in them for good is predicated of this idea most truly other things being good by participation in and likeness to this and this is the original good for the destruction of that which is participated in involves also the destruction of that which participates in the idea and is named from its participation in it but this is the relation of the first to the latter so that the idea of good is the good per se for this is also they say separable from what participates in it like all other ideas the discussion however of this view belongs necessarily to another inquiry and one for the most part more logical for arguments that are at once destructive and general belong to no other science but logic but if we must speak briefly about these matters we say first that it is to speak abstractly and idly to assert that there is an idea whether of good or of anything whatever this has been considered in many ways both in our popular and in our philosophic discussions next however much there are ideas and in particular an idea of good they are perhaps useless with a view to a good life and to action for the good has many senses as numerous as those of being for being as we have divided it in other works signifies now what a thing is now quality now quantity now time and again some of it consists in passivity some in activity and the good is found in each of these modes in substance as mind and god in quality as justice in quantity as moderation in time as opportunity while as examples of it in change we have that which teaches and that which is being taught as then being is not one in all that we have just mentioned so neither is good nor is there one science either of being or of the good not even things named good in the same category are the objects of a single science e g opportunity or moderation but one science studies one kind of opportunity or moderation and another another e g opportunity and moderation in regard to food are studied by medicine and gymnastics in military matters by the art of strategy 
and similarly with other sorts of action so that it can hardly be the province of one science to study the good per se further in things having a natural succession an earlier and a later there is no common element beyond and further separable from them for then there would be something prior to the first for the common and separable element would be prior because with its destruction the first would be destroyed as well e g if the double is the first of the multiples then the universal multiple cannot be separable for it would be prior to the double if the common element turns out to be the idea as it would be if one made the common element separable for if justice is good and so also is bravery there is then they say a good per se for which they add per se to the general definition but what could this mean except that it is eternal and separable but what is white for many days is no whiter than that which is white for a single day so not even the common good would be identical with the idea for it is the common property of all but we should show the nature of the good per se in the opposite way to that now used for now from what is not agreed to possess the good they demonstrate the things admitted to be good e g from numbers they demonstrate that justice and health are goods for they are arrangements and numbers and it is assumed that goodness is a property of numbers and units because unity is the good itself but they ought from what are admitted to be goods e g health strength and temperance to demonstrate that beauty is present even more in the changeless for all these things in the sensible world are order and rest but if so then the changeless is still more beautiful for it has these attributes still more and it is a bold way to demonstrate that unity is the good per se to say that numbers have desire for no one says distinctly how they desire but the saying is altogether too unqualified and how can one suppose that there is desire where there is no life one should consider seriously about this and not assume without reasons what it is not easy to believe even with reasons and to say that all existing things desire some one good is not true for each seeks its own special good the eye vision the body health and so on there are then these difficulties in the way of there being a good per se further it would be useless to political philosophy which like all others has its particular good e g as gymnastic has good bodily condition further there is the argument written in the discourse that the idea itself of good is useful to no art or to all arts in the same way further it is not practicable and similarly neither is good as a universal either the good per se for it might belong even to a small good or practicable for medicine does not consider how to procure an attribute that may be an attribute of anything but how to procure health and so each of the other arts but good is ambiguous and there is in it a noble part and part is practicable but the rest not so the sort of good that is practicable is an object aimed at but not the good in things unchanging it is clear then that neither the idea of good nor the good as universal is the good per se 
that we are actually seeking for the one is unchanging and not practical and the other though changing is still not practical but the object aimed at as end is best and the cause of all that comes under it and first of all goods this then would be the good per se the end of all human action and this would be what comes under the master art of all which is politics economics and prudence for these mental habits differ from all others by their being of this nature whether they differ from one another must be stated later and that the end is the cause of all that comes under it the method of teaching shows for the teacher first defines the end and thence shows of each of the other things that it is good for the end aimed at is the cause e g since to be in health is so and so so and so must needs be what conduces to it the wholesome is the efficient cause of health and yet only of its actual existence it is not the cause of health being good further no one demonstrates that health is good except he is a sophist and no doctor but one who produces deceptive arguments from inappropriate considerations any more than any other principle we must now consider making a fresh start in how many senses the good as the end of man the best in the field of action is the best of all since this is best end of book one recording in memory of mitchell edwards